usually our one-minute call-out is not that effective. So maybe it's, maybe it's New Year kind of attentiveness of just the start of, start of January. Um, good morning. It's really lovely to see you. My name is Tamsin. My pronouns are she and her. And um, it's really a real joy to be back. We often joke at this time of year is that we have, we have that break over... Christmas and it's not a common thing for churches to actually close for a couple of weeks. It seems very a very wise thing for me. But can I hear music? Oh, that's sorry. I'm just wondering if that was me. Is that you're just un, unraveling right in front of you? <laughs> Great start to the year. Ah, oh, dear. But um, but yeah, the, the kind of break just reminds us. Oh, like oh, we actually really want to come back. You know, there's sort of that fond- fondness grows, you know, as we have a little bit of distance from one another. Um, and I definitely have felt that um, in what what it is that we have. Why did we come? Why did you get up this morning and decide, I think I'll go and that building in Fitzroy North, however long it took you to get here, um, because it has something that I would like to participate in. Um, and I am struck that, um, I still get struck that, the community, it's like having community together in and of itself feels really nourishing to me. Just time, like already the conversations I've had this morning, fill my cup in a way of just some something beautiful in this connection. And then sort of you bring in a, the kind of faith element or we, we come around... Um, a shared tradition um, that we don't we don't always agree with it or love it or but we we come to this church that is considered a, a Christian church. Some would disagree, but most most would agree that there's something of of faith that we gather around also, and that always stuns me as well. That we not only want to be with one another, we want to explore faith with one another. We haven't lost hope in that or. We really, yeah, care about that in some way enough to come, and that still strikes me um, quite deeply. Uh, what I thought I had a um, a bit of a rough night's sleep last night. So um, what? And there's a big room of people. So what I thought we might start is just lighting a candle. This um, beautiful symbol of recognizing the divine, or just love, or grace. However you can sense God, um, just recognizing that. God has is here in present in our midst. Um, so I'm just going to quickly light this candle to remind myself that um, and perhaps to, re- to hold between us um, and say a little prayer before we start. Loving God, thank you that you are in our midst, um, drawing us together, um, allowing us to see with eyes that see beyond what is just in front of us. Um, be with us today, be with me today. Um, as we consider um, things of, of scripture and as we consider things of faith, um, may we hold peace in our midst um, and feel the ground beneath our feet. Amen. Um, we are starting a series on wisdom, and it's kind of a topic that comes up between Shane and Rod and I that it's sort of a term that kind of we keep sort of stumbling across and... Um, and as we perhaps are considered a bit more of a, um, ex- a liberal or whatever sort of church, where we kind of, where does wisdom play in how we hold faith? And especially when it comes to the Bible, I, I don't know what your morning devotional Bible read was this morning. How, how, how did that work for, in, for some of you? 
the shade on it. Where is that Bible of yours? But we, we sort of, um, we, I, perhaps I, I assume in the room, and I don't assume, I tend to assume for everyone, um, the Bible uh, may be a current and very living narrative that you feel connected to right today. Um, but for many of us, um, it is a complicated ancient book that is quite difficult to read on our own. Many have left that aside because in perhaps that too hard basket, there is too much dissonance. The stories are too weird and wonderful. It is hard to just pick something out of it like we used to, perhaps used to, that, you know, that sort of pick and choose um, from it. It becomes more and more complicated. So we like to kind of go very kindly and gently when it comes to opening up Scripture and the Bible again because we appreciate that in the room. And, and it has been used in the past as a really sort of a, a fairly abusive text so we just hold it gently and kindly but curiously um, so that just that is my little disclaimer as we think about an intro to, to uh, wisdom but from the lens of the scriptures um, we once did a human scattergram do you know human scattergrams where we we, we haven't done one in ages like we're pretty, pretty ready for a good old human scattergram but it's where we sort of divide the room up into four quarters and we ask a question and you and each co- like point has an opinion, you know, I, I read the Bible on a daily basis and it really means a lot to me, go and stand there, you know. I, I have not opened it in a long time, I don't even know where it is and I don't connect with it or somewhere in between and, and you stand in the room wherever that is. Um, but yeah, there's not often that many in this point but we like to go there together um, to help ease that, that tension we have. Um, I started the weekly note with this um, this quote from um, Pete Enns, who's a, a Bible scholar. He says, As I see it, rather than a book designed primarily to provide answers, the Bible is a book designed to cultivate wisdom, which is a lifelong process of maturing us into disciples who wander well across the unscripted path of faith, in tune to the presence of God along the way. Um, and what sort of struck me when I, I just read that, I thought, oh, that, that sort of journey of wisdom um, unfolding just helps me approach the Bible of going, oh, this is not something I need to memorise. This is not something that I need to agree with. This is something I need, you know, that has invited me to converse with it. Um, so we are going to go into the Hebrew Bible as a term we talk about the Old Testament. Um, we refer to it as the Hebrew Bible, um, which is this collection of books by all sorts of authors collated over a very long period of time. Think more like a, a traditional book library rather than your your own little um, personal Bible in your hands. Um, and we're going to pick out three books from that today that were considered the wisdom literature. Um, and I never use church props. It sort of takes me back to a church's experiences of my past. But anyway, today I have used three chairs with the name of three. Sorry for that in itself has triggered you back to church prop land. Um, but just kind of, I'll, I'll use them in a little bit, but, um, but just kind of looking at what is this wisdom literature um, that is one small collection of the Hebrew Bible. Um, it's usually three books, um, one, two, three, uh, we, uh, we've chosen uh, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes and Job um, in no particular order. Um, but sometimes uh, Psalms, some Psalms, sometimes the Song of Solomon or Song of Songs is also in- considered a wisdom text. Um, and they're different because they really don't have 
a lot of connection to the bigger stories of the Hebrew Bible. You don't see all the characters, you know, story of the Israelites. You don't see kings particularly, um, uh, covenant, you know, uh, Red Sea. You don't see any of these references. They, they're really different if you read them. Um, have, has anyone got a kind of encounter with these wisdom books um, that they perhaps felt, uh, yeah, you felt whether it was life-giving, but have you encountered these books in a helpful way in the past? Or has anyone got a story? Yeah, yeah. I'm always keen to hear how how that's encountered. Thanks. Uh, So I was in a church that I think leaned very hard on the do things right, things go well sort of Proverbs view. And uh, in a bout of pretty severe depression, I found Ecclesiastes really helpful because the guy is basically saying, but what about when those things don't happen, you know? Because that happens too, guys, don't forget that. Um, And, yeah, I felt seen in that text um, much more than I was in the community that I was in. So, yeah. Really appreciate you sharing that. That's a really, really helpful um, picture and that's we can all go home that was really <laughs> anyone else have a yeah my name's Natalie and um, I suffer from depression and um, schizophrenia and borderline personality disorder and um, I've just this is my first time that I've come to church big welcome Big welcome from us. It's it's a it's a joy to have you here, um, and that's yeah. I appreciate you sharing that as well. Welcome. No problem. We um. Any other initial? Yeah, Josh. Um, I used to do this thing. I don't know if anyone else does did, but like you hold the Bible and you go, "I'm going to flick open to a page, and whatever God is wanting to get me to, like." Um, and this was in the middle of like full faith, um, and flicked open to Ecclesiastes, and read just all this stuff about everything is meaningless. It's all like just doubt, doubt, doubt all through it, and I just felt so scene almost I was just like oh wow I thought this book was kind of like my enemy at the moment because I had seen it as representing all that all the stuff that was now kind of unraveling and kind of falling away and suddenly there was this book that was like nah I've kind of very similar to what you're feeling like felt that um being seen by Ecclesiastes so yeah thanks Josh Way back too long ago to tell you when I was uh, at uni, uh, first year English amongst all the literature that was listed on the course was the book of Job. And over the whole year there was not one lecture on it or mention of it. But it actually stimulated me and I thought, I've never read the book of Job and so I sat down and I read it from front to back. And I got to the end and I was so depressed, I thought, How do you make sense of that? You know, a guy whose life has been totally destroyed and um, the glimmer of light and hope at the end was so tiny. 
But over the uh, over my life, I've revisited it in various ways at various times, related it to my experience, reread it at times when I was going through tough times. And it's almost like it's not wisdom you can put into words, but it's been a very slow build and an understanding about, you know, stuff happens in life and um, somehow we've got to find a way of going through it. And it doesn't mean that God's deserted us when it feels like everything's gone belly up. Uh, and there's been something in that that's actually at times kept me going. And that's uh, like one of these key, I think, key elements of wisdom literature is the kind of regurgitating of reflection on it again and again because it is a bit confounding um, and really tough to read. If you were to do a Josh and open your Bible, just flick to it right now, um, most of this stuff is just really awkward and hard to just read off the cuff as a uplifting book. It doesn't sort of live in that place. Um, they're, ve- they're very honest um, and they're quite different. It's really interesting that they've all been kept in this kind of gathering of this library as important um, because they're really count. Some people call it the counter testament or they're just really against all these other pictures of God as people try and figure out the common questions at the heart of them are, what does it mean to live well? What can I hope for in life? Why do things not work out in a logical manner or according to a logical just God? Why didn't God not do anything? Who is the God who doesn't seem to do anything? How do I make choices in light of that? Um, is there a just system anywhere and is there a just God behind it? And that's kind of these questions of how do you live in this kind of practical way, but also like what is the God behind the reality of a very messy world and experience of life? And they're kind of split into two. So just here's my da-da-da-da, um, my lovely illustrations. Uh, so the first would be uh, Book of Proverbs, um, would be a bit more um, conservative. The book of Proverbs is a bit more of a very straightforward um, text. You might, speaking of school books, you might have um, Proverbs on like your wisdom for beginners in year 12 or something. You know, that sort of Proverbs lives in this really straightforward little pithy um, didactic. It's quite optimistic and it, it seems to say, do good because then good will come in a sense of there is this order to the world um, and the other type is a bit more critical. So Ecclesiastes, we've already heard that in the room, um, and Job, it's a, it kind of challenges a conventional belief of God. This, is God the, the curator? Is God the person who's bringing on calamity or hardship? Is that from the hand of God? If the God can bring on blessing, then is that the same God who brings on, you know, difficulty or challenge? Is that the same God? Um, and it kind of, it's a bit pessimistic. It's a little bit, which I love that it's in there. Gosh, like how good is it that we have such a mixed bag of wisdom literature? Um, I'm just going to do a little quick look at each, a very, very very quick look at each. But over the next three uh, three weeks, we'll have a look a bit more detail about each one. Um, so this, so Proverbs was a bit more of an oral tradition. Um, and people collected all these little sayings that would be used to teach um, and most likely teach 
young men of Israel um, how to have a good life and what to do. And there's 800 little sayings that you would memorise and sort of think, oh, you know, as something, someone is about to speak ill of you and you're like, oh, I know something about this. And you might act in a light of that little memory of that verse somewhere in your mind. Um, but eight, that's why it's so hard to read, just 800 of them. Like, it's so like, boom, boom, boom. Um, and they're a real mixed bag, especially much of Proverbs that is sort of those little chunky, um, contrasting sort of two different things. So blessings crown the head of the righteous, but violence overwhelms the mouth of the wicked. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end leads to death. I don't quite know how I would just hold on to that and act as a result, but that is this wonderful world of wisdom. What on earth do I do with that statement? Better to live on the corner of a roof than to share a house with a quarrelsome wife. Again, I have no clue what I'm meant to do with that statement, um, but you see a little bit more of this was perhaps for instruction of um, young soldiers. I, don't, I still don't know what you're meant to do with that. The righteous have enough to satisfy their appetite, but the belly of the wicked is empty. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity and honour. And you would assume from sort of this simplicity of this kind of taking this to heart and somehow this being informed by God, um, yeah, you would assume something about life, that life, um, do good, make good decisions based on integrity and justice and that in turn will be returned back to you. Um, which is not a bad thing. Like if someone would say, do good, you know, in the face of injustice, stand strong. Or, you know, in the face of an argument, you know, do what is right. Like you'd, you would want people to do, like I've always sort of t- thought of Proverbs kind of a bit, I haven't really loved them, but I was like, oh, there's often good. It's, it's, an, it's kind of a prompt, live good, make those good decisions. Um, but then it gets interesting. Gosh, and Shane, I'm not going to steal from next week because I just find But they sort of personify wisdom because what is wisdom? Like if I asked you what, it's a bit in the air kind of this idea. Wisdom starts to get personified um, and then gets almost mystical, um, which seems to be really different to the rest of Proverbs, which is so pithy. Um, this is a, a bigger text, but um, I just thought I'd share it because it's a bit, it's a little bit wonderful. The Lord created, this is about wisdom speaking now. Um, The Lord created me at the beginning, the first acts of creation long ago. Ages ago I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. When there were no depths I was brought forth, when there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains had, had been shaped, before the hills I was brought forth. Then Yahweh had not made earth and fields or the world first bits of soil. When Yahweh established the heavens I was there, and Yahweh drew a circle on the face of the deep. When Yahweh made the fire firm, the skies above, and established the fountains of the deep, then I was beside Yahweh, like a master worker. I was daily their delight, playing before Yahweh always, playing in this inhabited world and delighting in the human race. And now my children listen to me. Happy are those who keep my ways. Hear instruction and be wise. Do not neglect it. Happy is the one who listens to me watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. Whoever finds me finds life and obtains favour from the Lord. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. It's a, it's a big thing to say. I feel like this is a, this image of 
kind of wisdom and often she was personified as a woman. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a really interesting thing of what do you do with that? There's sort of – it almost has reverb in the, the Jesus story, which we'll sort of link in. But that's our little – so Proverbs lives in this – the world kind of view of do good, follow, listen out for, for wisdom and, and your life will be honoured as such. Um, now we get to Ecclesiastes, which have you already heard in the room? It's a it's a it's a goodie. <laughs> it's um, it sort of it juxtaposes proverbs really well. I feel like it's a real. If these people were three people in a bar, which I would listen to podcasts and they did sort of talk about this wisdom literature as sort of imagine these three people as kind of three different people coming into a bar trying to explain how to live a good life. Um, and you have the naive, really hopeful, a bit Pollyanna, you know, this is, I, I don't know what your image, but coming in and saying, this is the way to a really good life and a life with God. And then ecclesiastics might come in in a pretty dark space and weathered, world weathered. Um, and this is a, this sort of voices, this preacher, um, stuck in the, dip, the depth of despair, doubting every aspect about whatever Proverbs have just said. Um, there just seems to be just challenging the wisdom that the heart of Proverbs, the whole of God's moral universe. It's kind of sceptical literature. It provokes something in reflection um, and it asks for, for something deeper. Um, everything is vanity. You might have heard of everything is vanity of vanities. Have you heard of that term? Um, and this word vanity is a goodie. It's kind of, it means, I've said goodie a lot today. I can hear it. Um, it means like vapour. Everything is ridiculous. Everything just disappears. Everything is absurd. And I imagine even thinking of Deb and Mark today in the face of the death of a parent. Uh, everything is stupid. You know, like that kind of this is dumb. This is this is ridiculous, um, and how that is a really real part of life. This makes no sense. This is just absurd. This is a paradox. This is a vapor, like the wind. This just is nothing. You know, this this whole worldview feels like nothing. Um, and the start of your of Ecclesiastes. So, kind of, if we use that word, sort of vapor or absurd. Kind of vanity of vanity, says the teacher. All is vanity. What do people gain from all the toil at which they toil under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun goes down and hurries to places where it rises. But all things are wearisome, more than one can express. The eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. The people of long ago are not remembered, nor will there be any remembrance of the people yet to come or, the, or by those who come after them. Sort of death is quite central to Ecclesiastes. It's a, if you're feeling that way, it's perhaps, yeah, I just like that it just is that it's absurd. It's just a bit absurd and God doesn't make sense or seem present. The book is a bit cheeky, a little bit cheeky, I would say, in that there's this author who all this kind of who's writing about the preacher who says all this stuff. And the very last line in that they can't let that discomfort sit. They say, at the end of all so the, 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 the narrator comes in, at the end of all this, all has been heard. We've heard of this despair. 
fear God and keep his commandments. That's in the original text. For that is the whole duty of everyone. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. So it almost feels like pro- the Proverbs just like, just, just in case, just, just if you're not sure what to do now, fear God. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting edit or an interesting way of crafting this text. Um, so then, so that's the, the heavy view of in this strange collection of wisdom literature. And then we head into Job, which is like a big fable story. Um, I, I don't know about you, did you ever think these were real characters? I, I was taught as if Job was a real person and the God character was God. I was never taught that it was a, like a fable. I don't know, just no one seemed to think to tell me that uh, random idea. But it's, it's written like this big poem um, of big characters and it's sort of set in this land that's not real. So it's almost like um, once upon a time in the, la- in the land. You sort of know already it's not a real story. It's a it's a teaching tool um, about Job, this really righteous character who seems to have read Proverbs and lived it out to every nth of a degree, who is not despairing and not hopeless, but has and then encounters this horrible life of despair and loses children and his home and his livelihood and he's sick. And um, and you get a sense for there's a, the God character comes in, this was a test to see if Job would... But you think, God is absurd. Why would God just bring on calamity just to test how, like if I just said, I'm going to make Josh's life really tough just to see if he's still going to come back. You know, I'm just like, you'd go, You're abs- that's a bit much. Um, and, and the goal is that we look at that and perhaps say, that's a bit much, God, don't do that to Job. Um, and then there's long stories of dialogue between a lot of people who say, Job, you must have done something pretty wrong if if your life looks like this. Um, there must be some sin somewhere that we can pray about or something to get you back. And, um, and then in a particularly, oh, this is my opinion, quite unsatisfactory response from God. God says, look at this earth, you know, look at all these parts of the earth. There is things you don't know about wisdom, Job. There are things you don't know and you can't see. Um, but here, look at the earth, things... Yeah, it's this, this really interesting response that Rod's going to pick up in a few weeks. But this really interesting response from God that sometimes feels qu- not quite enough, but the book presents it as something that perhaps should be enough. So, so that's our little one, two, three of this wisdom literature. And what I kind of like that in as a little collection is that we're designed to kind of not just read these as individuals, but wisdom um, is, I'll, for those on the podcast, I'm moving the chairs into a small circle, like this. They kind of, wisdom sort of lives somewhere in the middle in conversation with each of these, these worldviews that the wisdom or this term chokmah, which is the wisdom of God, lives in this conversation and this this reflection of this and this and this. I don't, nothing is the absolute monopoly on truth, but it's this conversation um, that is part of wisdom practice. Um, and that might take you to like, especially if we were doing wisdom for beginners in VCE, you might have wisdom for, wisdom part, you know, part B when you get to university, where you, you're taught the art of wisdom is the art of not knowing all the answers, but it is taking in 
lots of perspectives and brewing on them and thinking about them, about a God who was presented to you that you converse with, you engage with, you disagree with. And that is wisdom and it is of value. Um, I find that idea of wisdom, especially in our faith journey, really validating of wherever you are in this room right now today, of that there's, there's validity to the faith space you are currently in. Perhaps that I'm not even sure that there is a loving God at the heart of things, but there is that wisdom would say, oh, that's right in the middle of this conversation and there is value to that. That's not an absence of faith. It's somewhere in the mis- middle of this conversation of faith. So it's, um, the Jewish tradition has a better handle on this, this kind of, di- they call it a dialogical view of truth and reality. It seeks out many points of view and it builds on the wisdom of others takes, oh, you know, you said something really wise, I'm going to record that, and it builds on, um, we write that down and we'll discuss it and reflect on it. Um, You're still coming out believing something, but there's this kind of spiralling of complexity parent, and so it hasn't negated the reality of God, but it's somehow deepened it, but I'm quite a different person, you know, as a result of that. Um, It's multifaceted. Um, So, I'm going to just jump to this kind of idea about wisdom, um, that we see wisdom as kind of one part of wisdom in through this literature is um, a sort of a gift passed from others along the way. And perhaps you see that in Proverbs of these little truth gifts that are passed from other people um, that we take as wise statements. And no one really has... Wisdom would say no one person has the monopoly. So if you trusted someone's wisdom and advice and it was not your role in the recipient is to reflect and think, is that sound advice? Is that good? Is it life-giving advice? Um, but that's sort of part of the practice of wisdom. And the, the practice is this discipline of we come back to texts, we come back to church, we keep reflecting on things, we, we keep engaging with it, that it's not, we don't just see that we can attain these 12 kind of truths in our lives, but we continue to wrestle with this strange text in our midst um, as a practice or a discipline that we adopt. Um, And I like that the practice side of things that there's the experiences are unfolding. It kind of asks of you. I don't know what wisdom you need tomorrow, um, that there's not a truth that's going to stand for that. It, It will, the practice of wisdom in your wrestle comes out tomorrow in whatever situation that is. Um, and the other thing that we saw in that little text about Lady Wisdom that we see throughout the scripture is that wisdom is something in the very being of God, a divine perspective or this energising kind of gift of outside of our worldview, something that comes, this grace that comes. Um, it's this creative dynamic force forged in the very being of God and it offers the living gift of divine insight but also holds mystery and asks for trust Um, so that this wisdom is not fully you see that the end of Job he responds as I can never fully know God or know God's way in the world um, but I've found a peace in that and in the embodiment of Jesus that you see that Jesus has found a way of kind of grounding in the wisdom of, oh, I don't fully know all that is in the very being of God, but I'm, I found a peace and a trust in that, in the character of love. I trust the character of love to not fully know why that 
my body is breaking down or why. I don't know why. But I still hold, like Rod was saying at the start, I still hold that there is a love, a loving God at the heart of the universe. Um, those two things in tension that we keep coming back to. Um, yeah, so that kind of conversation between these books um, asks us to become kind of mature in our thinking, in our reading of Bible, of the scriptures. And then beyond the scriptures, we see this idea of wisdom as this living practice that we adopt by coming and wrestling with things, by adopt listening to the sound advice of others, um, and also turning to this lady wisdom or this character that that offers an insight that we didn't otherwise know um, and that, that comes and continues to come in every single unique situation. Um, was there any thoughts? Sorry, I've just done a big blah, blah, blah download of my thinking and processing of wisdom. I find it an intriguing and very kind of lots to it. Um, but any thoughts? Yeah, Jackie. I just really liked the idea of wisdom being in a conversation um, because I think that's just true of life. Like when we try and create a rule or a formula, it gets us into, can get us into trouble. So, yeah, I really like that idea of wisdom being in a conversation because I think that's true of in people as well, as well as reading different books. I imagine in treatment and, and it come like the truth, perhaps you don't always see the way forward, but in the, pro in the connection something forms and paths emerge. I imagine you see that in your work a bit. Wisdom is within you and um, God will help you with wisdom. Revealing what is already there. Yeah, thanks, Natalie. So I was thinking about this um, dichotomy between like Proverbs being happy-go-lucky and Ecclesiastes being overly pessimistic and that's not quite the way I'd viewed it in reading it because as he goes through and points out these contradictions, he still draws some, I would say, optimistic conclusions, one of which being, you know, at the end of talking about work and what comes out of it, he says in um, 3.22, so I saw that there's nothing better for a person than to enjoy their work because that is their lot. For who can bring them to see what will happen after them? So there was still like this talk of appreciation in your circumstances regardless of your understanding of them. And that that's something I, I actually didn't find pessimistic about Ecclesiastes. So Really well said. And I really like us doing this in our church of like going, oh, here is the wisdom practice of, you could say, I object, Tamsin, or I, I see this from this angle. Like this is wisdom forming between the two of us, you know, finding different angles of what it means. So thanks. I've been thinking a lot about things being thrust upon us versus what we take on. And I think this is one of those circumstances where you can look at proverbs and they can be these really prescriptive, simplistic things that can be, they can be a millstone or milestone, however you say it, around our necks. But if we instead see it as wisdom that um, if we come upon it and take it up and look at it and it feels right, then it actually is, is wisdom. 
Um, and it's sort of like when you know, someone gives us some advice or tells us something, but we weren't ready to receive it, and then years later you come back and go, oh, I see there was something to that. Um, but it's a completely different experience depending on how we engage with it or how it is thrust upon us. Yeah, I like that it honours the you right now. Like this is, wisdom is a practice that doesn't sort of ask you to deny yourself or your current, it really asks you to honour your current self and where you're looking from. And I find it quite edifying of your presence in the practice. It's your, your situation is really valued in this practice. Before we wrap up, any other last little ponderings? I was just thinking that I find Proverbs very mixed in my response and there's some wonderful sayings in there and there's others that confront me like on the corner of the roof where I think we need to read Proverbs in the light of the culture and the times and the expectations uh, to make sense of it and, and it is a sifting process I think. Yeah, some great wisdom and some stuff where no, I think we've learnt that's not right. Because, oh, there's, yeah, there's stuff about slaves. There's all sorts of stuff that, you know, how you treat... And we, just, we go in our collective wisdom and our progressive understanding of love that we assume continues that that is something of the time and not of our day today. Um, what we, if there's no other thoughts... Um, we, as I say, the next few weeks we hope to explore some of the books... Um, and, you know, and we do it loosely and lightly and a bit in this, you know, let's, let's see what is in this text and let's see what we can learn together. Um, and hopefully not over, hopefully you're all like, oh, too much Bible already for them. Well, if we can, we can get Bible out and done in the, you know, through January, February, then we can just, no, no, no but hopefully it hasn't overloaded you already. Um, but I encourage if you want to go dare to read some of it, you know, that's, that's, that's great. Best of luck. Fingers crossed. You have come out the other side. Um, uh, what we're going to do now is um, I really want to thank you for your feedback and your um, just thoughts on the matter. Um, and part of our practice here is um, our collective gathering and speaking of progressive practices. We, we come to communion so differently throughout our life and it means very different things to us um, in sort of this process of understanding. Um, but in this community, we like to stand in a large circle when we take communion um, and someone will crack a cracker and take a juice um, and you can come up and get that yourself. But you're more than welcome to just stay seated. You're more than welcome to stay standing in the circle and not take it. Um, and you're not welcome to take four because we don't have enough today. Um, so we're going to go into a little time of communion and I'm going to read a, a poem that um, this lovely feminist poet, always lovely to finish on a feminist poet, called Janet Morley, this English poet. Um, she has written a hymn to wisdom. Um, it's kind of her reflections on wisdom as this being who comes and we ask for insight um, so I'll read that before we actually take communion. So if you'd like to come up um, and gather around the communion table um, before we finish up today. All right, I'll, let's, let's um, in our midst, in our tradition and wisdom in the very being of Christ who is in our, this practice, let's eat and drink together um, in memory of Christ and wisdom. Mm -hmm. This is from Janet Morley. 
My soul yearns for wisdom. Beyond all else, my heart longs for her. She has walked through the depths of the abyss. She has measured its boundaries. For she was there from the beginning, and apart from her, not one thing came to be. She played before creation when the world was made, and in her hands all things are held together. She has danced upon the face of the deep, and all that has breath and instinct within her. The mastery of creation is in her grasp, and she delights to expound her ways. In the streets of the city, wisdom is calling, and on the access road, she encounters those who pass. At the gates of the camp, she sings in triumph, and in the law courts, she lifts up her voice. With the timid and fearful, she takes her stand, and in the mouths of children, she is heard to speak. She cries out to the foolish to listen and to take heed of her words. Amen.